you have come down more than a hundred steps to reach this dungeon. We are in a pit, and the pit obviously served as a place of imprisonment in Roman times. I pointed out outside that the steps that go down the hill, which is, uh, as you've oriented yourself, south and a little bit east of the area of Mount Zion where the Last Supper would have been held. The steps that go eastward, or coming the other way, of course, upward and west, are, by archaeologists, known to be Roman. That is, they go back to the time of Jesus. It is entirely possible that after his betrayal and arrest, and after he was bound, that he was brought directly around the corner of what is known as the Temple Pinnacle from Gethsemane, and that he could have, in fact, ascended those steps. This is also known as Caiaphas' palace. Caiaphas was the high priest that year, the one directly in charge of the handling of tithes and the preparations for the sacrifices in the daily temple service. Murphy O'Connor and the archaeologists generally think that the Caiaphas authority and location would have placed him nearer geographically the temple. In any case, this is an authentic dungeon. The church has been built over it, as you see, and it is known also as St. Peter in Galakantu. Galakantu referring to the crowing of the cock, the tradition being that this is the very place to which Peter came when, as the record says, he went out and wept bitterly. But Peter did not deny that Jesus was the Christ. The record is clear that three times, rather, he denied being associated with, and in the last instance, with an oath said he was not, as a woman said he was, a Galilean, uh, which she assumed from his dialect, from the accent of his speech. President Spencer W. Kimball has taught us that those denials, serious enough, as he sat near a fire of coals, because it is sometimes in the early spring very cold, those denials enabled Peter to avoid imprisonment or entanglement in legal complications and in the end enabled him to continue with power in his ministry as the chief high priest and as the leader of the Twelve and later so that his calling could not have been in doubt in his own mind by another fire built of coals at the side of the Sea of Galilee after a night of impotent fishing which is now countered by the very guidance of the resurrected Christ so that they bring in 
nets filled with more than 150 fish. He is commissioned to, and three times commissioned, to feed my sheep. And in one instance, the language is feed my lambs. No question that Peter is still the Peter who is the rock and who through the spirit of revelation will continue in his ministry. Now notice several things about this dungeon. You've been able to walk downstairs that have been put in many, many centuries later. And there is this opening to my right which goes into another chamber, a scourging chamber. We don't know that Jesus was in this exact dungeon. What we do know is that there is only one opening, only one way in and one way out, and that is that small aperture at the top, high and out of reach. And he was no doubt let down by a rope, and if they mercifully gave him any food or drink, it would have to be let down in like manner. A psalm, namely the 88th psalm, seems to fit this situation with incredible striking accuracy. Let me just cite three verses. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. And then cries out the writer, Shall the loving kindness be declared in the grave or thy faithfulness in destruction? And then again, I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. They came around me daily like water. They compassed me about together. And then the last verse, Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. Now on the outside, you may not have noticed the orientation of this place. We are on the lip uh, of the southern extremity of the great rise that is the city of Jerusalem. The valley that is below us is known as the Valley of Gehinnom. And that was in the time of Jesus Christ, known in three ways with ignominy. It was, first of all, the city dump with smoke and fire and ceaseless burning and foul odors. But it was also, in the memory of the Jewish people, a place of idolatry, because with the permission of Solomon, as he multiplied his wives and dominions, it was a place where actually children were sacrificed to the idolatric god Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H. A terrible betrayal of the religion of Jehovah. But third, it is the valley into which Judas apparently came. This again is only by tradition. 
the gospel accounts differ on the end of Judas' life. One that he hung himself, another that he fell, and that his bowels gushed out. The Joseph Smith translation reconciles those. He attempted to hang himself. The branch of the tree broke and he fell, if the tradition is true, into this very valley. On the edge of hell, Jesus is imprisoned. Now, a slight digression for Judas. He, of the original twelve, was the only one not from Galilee. He, if tradition holds, was a zealot, meaning one who made a religion, prior at least to his uh, identifying with the cause of Christ, but perhaps even afterward made a religion of opposing Rome and the yokes and excesses and enslavements that became so burdensome. In that role and in that mode, he would have looked upon Jesus as he became more and more conscious of his messianic role as the one sent to throw off the yoke. It was a temporal Savior for whom he and many others, including, we can tell, even Peter, and they expected a political and military powerful person to bring back the reign, as it were, of the superb king the high watermark in their thinking, namely David. From this, the speculation is natural, and some scholars have pursued it, that Judas' hidden intent in alerting the authorities to the whereabouts of Jesus was not in order to collect a few pieces of silver. It was rather in a dramatic setting of the Passover feast when the authorities, both Roman and Jewish, are fully alert to bring Jesus to the public announcement of what Judas in private knew to be the case. Now, whether that is true or not, the sequel certainly shows that Judas did not go away from the crucifixion in gloating exaltation. Instead, his remorse, his guilt, and his anguish were so severe that he wanted to take his own life. One cannot tiptoe around the record which says Jesus spoke of him as perdition, nor the sorrow of the moment when Judas walks forward and this is not done by a disciple to his master. The master takes initiative but he kisses him and Jesus in the inspired version simply says, Judas art thou come to betray me with a kiss. Now go with me for a moment to another pit Remember the statement of the prophet Joseph to his huge and, at the moment, terribly afflicted cousin, George A. Smith. 
lying abed in great pain and Joseph says George never be discouraged never be discouraged if I were in the deepest coal pit of Nova Scotia and had the Rocky Mountains piled on top of me I would not be discouraged and I would come out on top those were brave words but the time came when Joseph Smith was in a deep coal pit with the Rockies piled atop and cried out oh God where art thou the two questions that come again and again in the real world oh God are you there are you here and the other how long oh Lord how long if there is something of the spirit of vengeance and calling out for vast retribution on one's enemies that tone and temper is completely replaced in section 122 the Lord Jesus Christ answers the prophet my son peace be unto thy soul thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment and then if thou endure it well uh, but there's a typographical lapse there in the original letter the prophet wrote describing this there was a prior sentence if thou art faithful and endure it well suffering that is meaningless is the most unbearable all of us must suffer the question is for whom for what do we suffer Jesus Christ was bearing what he bore because of the thread of meaning involving the whole human race so was his servant the prophet and after the series of if clauses of all the things the prophet then or later had to go through there is the staggering statement the son of man hath descended below them all art thou greater than he only a few days before Jesus had said Father I know that thou art with me always now we're to begin further modes of torture and torment and on the cross he would say why hast thou forsaken me but it is my testimony that he could not even he could not have known how to according to the flesh comfort us in our afflictions except he too had known the hell of the withdrawal of the spirit and we have a section in modern scripture which provides a definition of hell 
which it says we have tasted even in the least degree when we are as it were left alone this is one place where Jesus was left alone this is the end of side one please continue listening on side two